Welcome to New Type Flash. This is a podcast where every other week we come to you with Gundam Universal Century in a more or less chronological order. This week we are coming to you with Gundam Zeta, episodes 21 through 23. Uh, this week we have Scotty. Yeah, how do you spell Dogo Skier? What a weird name. And Luke. Howdy. Um, Lane, Lane agreed to do every single manga that we've skipped in the Universal Century just to catch you guys up. So, Yep. Wow. Yep. I won't have to, Luke, we won't have to record this show for about a year or two while he's working on all that. <laughs> That's optimistic. That's optimistic. I was thinking two or three. Oh, yes, and Lane, yeah. you know Japanese, so you have to read all of the Japanese ones that oh, the translated stuff that did not get scanlated. Oh my god! Yep. You guys, you guys are signing me up for a lifelong obligation at this point. <laughs> it's just going to turn into the monthly Lane reads Gundam Ace podcast. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's fun. That's fun. Uh, speaking of uh, fun things, um, this week it is. Election week in uh, in in America, so uh, I think this podcast is releasing on the fifth. So uh, uh, I think election day is the third. Um, so I'm going to guess that we don't know who the president of the United States is at this point in time. We're recording this the week before election week, so um, I'm sure there's going to be lots and lots of confusion. So we're going to add a little feature this week. We're going to talk about uh, the political systems of Zeta or of Gundam Universal Century very briefly before we get into the episodes. So that being said, let's jump into it. Um, let's talk about the Earth Federation first, because that's the easy one, which is also like completely like vague and unhelpful. So the Earth Federation is essentially a world slash space government um, that has some sort of parliamentary UN type system, right? Like they have a large representative group um, and it seems like there's like a world government. Um, and the flag actually represents earth, the seven sides and the lunar city. So if you look at the flag of the earth federation in the middle, there is uh, uh, like a earth with like a whole bunch of lines in it. And then on the sides, and top and bottom of the flag, there's some triangles that represent um, the uh, seven sides. And then there's one triangle for the lunar cities as well. So that they're, is the. They're broken up kind of interesting because they have like North America, South America, Western Europe, Eastern Europe, all that normal stuff. Then Eurasia, South yeah. Asia, East Asia. I mean, it's basically the whole world. Yeah. So they're like like the administration of the earth is broken up into those regions that you were talking about. Um, but yeah, who knows? It's, it's, it's like really vague and it's not, they never really talk about too much how like the different yeah. countries are administered. It seems like in a lot of cases, like we've seen, there's like local, like either warlords or administration, but there's not yeah. a lot of talk on like the actual systems of government for these local areas. I think they have like the Federation, right? And and that's just kind of like a nebulous thing for a really long time. I don't think it's until Unicorn that they have like a unified, like this is their leader, like the prime minister, um, like unified under a single like point of leadership. Could be yeah. wrong, but I don't recall anything until Unicorn. So, remember, and you see one 
uh, the prime minister of the Earth Federation is assassinated. Right. right. And so that's what that's what kicks off the cycle with Laplace's box. And we're getting way yeah. ahead in shows. But so, the yeah. there is a capital for the Earth Federation and um, the capital up until I think I think it's like UC0093 is Lhasa. Um, and afterwards it changes, but we're not going to go that far yet um and then the actual assembly where like the prime like the uh this where they meet to like do whatever they do is located in dakar yeah. um, so that's your that's like your un building in new york yep it's in dakar which is relevant to this episode yep um yeah so it, it seems, you know, there's a lot of comments here and there. There's not a lot of detail on the Earth Federation as, as how it's organized, but um, it seems to be mostly controlled by the ultra rich, which is, you know, a theme we see a lot in, in, um, in Universal Century as a whole. Uh, but, you know, and then we get into their military system more, but their military is very much like semi autonomous, I think. They just get lots of money from right. people. It's, uh, the closest real life analogy I think would be the United Nations, except you know, really on steroids. Yeah. The United Nations with a more powerful military branch. That's, you know, basically directly tied to the United Nations. Yeah. And um, much less, uh, much less fractured. Yeah. And also easier to manage because the amount of people actually still on earth is, very small compared to the amount that are up in space. It's just when you're on earth, you have more room for all your shiny guns and stuff. Yep. Yep. All right. So let's jump over to the Republic of Xeon. So, um, in September 14th, 0058, the Republic of Xeon was declared. Um, that was the principality. Nope. Of you're thinking about the next iteration. Ah, uh. Yeah. Damn. Remember Nazi stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and remember who came before the Nazis. Yep. So uh, the Republic of Zeon was declared, and Zeon Zoom Daikun is the prime minister. So this is this is kind of like a uh, representative democracy uh, with a parliamentary system. Um, I would think s very similar to uh, a lot of countries in Europe right now, in a way, um, but with a more more strong central government in, in some ways. Um, yeah. So that's what they're at at that point. So they're, they're a representative democracy in space uh, for, for side seven with side seven, right? Yeah. That's one. Yeah. All right. Uh, and then Z in 0068, uh, Kun dies. So he is uh, the prime minister for roughly 10 years, as far as we know. Um, and then August 15th, 0069, um, Degwin Zabi declares a monarchy, and this is where you get the Principality of Xeon. Um, so one of the things we see a lot, uh, especially in like the, the plot to assassinate Giran, is that there is still a, uh, there is some sort of like elected representative, uh, uh, representative system. So they still have like a parliament, they still have a prime minister, uh, but they're run by the uh, the Zabi family at this point. Um, so this is very similar to it's it's like a hybrid between the um, World War One German system and the um, 
Japanese system in a way. So like you've got like a like in Japan you have the monarchy through the em- the emperor and then you have like a very you, you have like a prime minister that was uh running the system but you also have a very strong military um system as well but in this case the monarchy and the military system are run by the same people uh in uh germany i think the military it, it's very much a military dictatorship in some ways um it, not exactly but yeah so um after the one year war the principality Zion more or less goes away and it reverts back to the Republic of Zion um, in which it goes, there was like some treaty that essentially makes it say like, I think it was zero 100, UC zero 100, it'll revert back to the Federation. So there was like a, a transition period um, in there. Yeah, very much like Hong Kong in the year 2000 when it ceased to be part of the British empire and became part of China again, um, or was it independent and then became part of China? Uh, I, I, I so remember was, in 2000, it was no longer part of the British empire. They, they, like they ceded it back to, to uh, China, but um, they were, and, and, and are supposed to be, maintaining some sort of uh democratic systems until like i want to say like 2040 it's either 2040 or 2070 or some some time off in the future they basically had like a 100 year transition period or something along those lines it was ridiculously long um where they were supposed to um maintain a separate uh political system specifically for hong kong and of course part of the the controversy of what's going on right now over there is that they're not really respecting that um, agreement, but you know, what are you going to do if you don't actually control the government? You don't have your military there. How are you going to enforce an agreement? So, um, yep. So after the one year war and Zeon returns to reverts back to the Republic of Zeon, that's when you get the Neo Zeon movement. Um, So the Neo Zeon and, movement and group is essentially a continuation of the Zabi monarchy with the principality of Zion. So the principality of Zion converts into uh, Neo-Zion and Mineva Zabi is the head of this constitution or this monarchy, but Haman Karn is, is the de facto leader um, as the regent of Mineva Zabi since she is a infant at this point so that's that you guys have anything to add on that we we could cover i guess like what 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 is it side four or something like that but that there's not side six is kind of boring yeah the like they were pseudo independent and there's like an episode where it talks about they're independent and neutral the end (laughs) yeah um, I mean, Axis, I think, is is worth mentioning. But Axis is because part of Neo Zeon, right? I mean, they are more of like this independent thing. and Because remember, as we, especially as we get into, um, this is more double Zeta. Yeah. But you essentially have Axis opposing Neo Zeon. Like they are not a unified front for a lot of that because you have all the bickering and arguing and eventually things coming to an actual conflict with Glemmy and mm-hmm. Haman. 
Uh, so they're not completely unified. And, you know, when we first see that group in Zeta, I mean, it's more Axis and eventually they start calling themselves Neo-Zeon. But, you know, how much of that is really real and then how much of that is just using the name? That's all stuff we'll get into as, as the show goes on or we'll forget, you know, something like that. We'll try to remember. Yeah. <laughs> Hold our feet to it, guys. <laughs> Lane, write that down. No. <laughs> uh man this we got to keep it as low effort as possible right <laughs> um all right i'm gonna do homework after this don't worry hey i i took notes for the the political systems as much as i could without watching and trying to like do anything too crazy i was expecting you know things like allusions to how you know is uh um Totally blanking on his name. The old zombie. The dad. Dad. Yes. How he is like Hindenburg, you know? I was expecting these kind of parallels. <laughs> yeah, I'm not gonna get that. I I, I uh I don't have uh, that much time. Came up with this writing. idea last week, Scotty. <laughs> I didn't have time to write a dissertation on on the political systems of uh, mobile suit gundam. <laughs> you bitch your essay is late. You can still turn it in, but the most you're getting is an 80. <laughs> I'll do it next week and get a 75. <laughs> All right. Episode 21, A Sign of Zeta. Um, yeah, so we learn at the beginning of this episode that the Titans fleet is preparing for something called Operation Apollo. Um, Operation Apollo is a plan to take over Von Braun on the moon. So this is something that they've been hinting at for several episodes um, that basically the Titans are annoyed with the moon and Anaheim and everything involved in the entire circle of whatever it is. And they're just like, fuck it, we're taking it over. Um, And you got to remember 0083, I think at this point kind of really helps add color to the political situation on the moon where it's very much controlled by a military industrial complex. And anyone from these, I'll just call them state actors, even if that's a loose term in some cases, they are just making deals and things like that. And uh, there's an interesting point to the name Operation Apollo, right? Mm -hmm. Because they're trying to take over Von Braun. And where is Von Braun? Von Braun. I, so actually, I, I think I had this like noted for like two episodes from now, right? Are you talking uh, about where where the uh, where where they landed originally? Yeah, it's it's yeah. been built on the site of the Apollo Eleven. Yeah, landing. so they they go into it, and I think it's episode twenty three that they really talk about it a lot. But um, yeah, this is so this is where Buzz Aldrin it landed, and it's like its first footstep, and apparently Von Braun, the city center, is. Uh, built around the the footprint on the moon. Yeah. Yep. Interesting so, uh, way to do that, but yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. It's cool, but kind of surprising. They would go to that much effort to fill in a crater or something. <laughs> hey, you know, Tamino has to come up with some weird stuff every once in a while. It's it's better than the misogyny he's coming every up once with. in a while. <laughs> Like some of these moon cities have to last a very, very long time in this he's, timeline. 
he he's got a you know he's got a mix in. He's like, all right, I'm done being misogynist for a little bit. Let me give you some cool lore. <laughs> what if the Earth Federation uh, was run by Jews? <laughs> that could be the next one. In fact, uh, the center of the city is Armstrong Plaza. Oh, yeah. There's a park mm -hmm. called Armstrong Park. I'm not reading this off of a wiki right now. I just <laughs> you knew know, that. It would have been cool if they would have, like, they talked about it a lot. It would have been cool if they would have, like, added something in there of them walking by and being like, oh, here's the footprint from the moon. Well, you know, you know if they ever keep uh, Gundam Origin going like we all want it to, eventually they'll get there. Do they show it in Gundam Origin? No, I'm saying if they keep it going like we want it to, like start it back up again and just go through Gundam into Zeta and just remake Zeta. Uh, yeah. We'll get there. Well, you had Zeta to find, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So we learned that Sirocco is uh is weird, creepy, uh, whatever you want to call. He has signed a contract with the Titans, basically pledging allegiance and allow and saying, like, I will serve you, la 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 la. Uh, with his blood, because the yeah. blood is the only way to like make a vow real. Doesn't he say something like words aren't enough? Like I, I give you my blood or something. Yeah, like it's that? something like that. Yeah, it was. It was yeah. creepy. It was very theatrical. Yeah. Um, did and, you notice that he apparently did this in the future? He did it in the future. The they made a mistake here. Um, they. So this episode is taking place. It's uh, sometime in August of 0087, uh -huh. uh, which makes you think like, wow, this starts the series, I think starts in March or April. So there's a long, there are these long stretches of time in between things sometimes that you don't get a sense for, but here like, Camille has been back in space a while. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, it's hard to get a feel for time. In here. Yeah. Just... Yeah. So anyhow, um, this is dated June 21st. Okay, makes sense. Of 0088. Oh, God. So, yeah, it's just a screw-up. Yeah. Yep. Uh, did you also notice that they, they're at this point they're calling Hyman your, your excellency? I mean, what else do you call Hyman? I, I, <laughs> it, it, it was just weird. Like, at this point, like, he's, like, actual, like, he's, he's trying to become actual royalty as opposed to, like, you know, a, just a straight up military leader. It just, it seemed to me like this, this tr either, I, I don't know if it was the same in the Japanese version, but like it, in English, it, it very much like moves him from um, a military leader to more of a political leader um, explicitly through this. Yeah. Um, so at this point, we're back on, uh, back, back in the Argama and uh, Camille and Torres uh, decide to brawl. Um, <laughs> so, uh, you know, I don't even know why, why they, uh, like they get in this brawl, but it, it just seemed like petty. Um, but it allowed the motivations are a little unclear and it was Torres and who's the other guy? Sagusa or something like that? Se Segusa? Yeah. Segusa. I don't know how to say it. But but Bright gets to slap both Torres and Camille, so like Bright's having a good day because he right, gets comes in, finishes his burger, just starts bitch slapping everybody. It's great. Yeah, and he's like, "All right, you guys go to the brig. You're you're done." Um, and Camille had to go to the brig at least once before this show was over. Yeah, yeah. 
And uh, Emma, not even halfway done. <laughs> it's just a tradition. <laughs> so Emma has discovered that Camille has uh, actually she she's like you don't know your own feelings, and then she's like, you fell in love on Earth, didn't you? And he's like, shut up, woman. You actually, don't know yeah. me. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I did. <laughs> I did fall in love, but shut up. Her name um, was four, I think. I don't. It was also a number. I don't know. <laughs> Weird. Um. Yep. So, um, at this point, Sirocco's unit basic. Sirocco tells, um, what is it? Not Hyman. Who's the guy that? that um, Jamaican. Sorry. Jamaican. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Sirocco tells Jamaican, "Hey, I'm gonna go like test my unit's uh, capabilities. Peace out." See you later. Um, I'm going to do my own thing. Bye. Um, so we get to see Jared Mawa. They get We get a new unit here. We get the... And I am not going to even try to understand like the, the English versus Japanese version of this. Like In Japanese, it sounds like the, the gaplay or the gaplay or something along those lines. And in English, it's like gabfly. Yeah, it looks like. Do they pronounce it that way though? I don't. So I don't, I don't recall hearing that word. I don't remember hearing that either. It doesn't sound anything close to that. And like the Japanese is uh, gapusre. Close. Yeah, it's. I, I don't know. I don't get it. Anyway, they they get those and they're pretty neat looking suits. I guess like they're different than a lot of the other suits we've seen so far. Yeah, Chiraco designed them. Yeah. They are the uh, RX-110. They're kind of bug-like a little bit, uh, but these are like some prototype Jupiter kind of thingies. They're and very, think- very indicative. Um, I, said, and I don't know if indicative is even the right word, but they, boy, you can just take one look at them and not know what series they're from, and you would go Zeta. <laughs> yeah, it's fair. Yeah. They, they got like, I like that they have a good variety of um, suit designs in Zeta. Um, because I feel like in, in original series and like all of like, even the side stories, like they were very limited by like Zaku's and um, well, so what were the underwater made... suits? Zagox. Yeah. Dude, there's like 20 underwater suits, though. Yeah, well, I mean, like up to this point. So Tamino made um, Mobile Suit Gundam to tell a story. And then that story was well-received, I guess, kind of, not really. Like, not a lot of people were into it. And then the toys started selling really well. So then he made another series to sell toys. <laughs> that's that's, probably that's why we went from 11 suits to a million. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's amazing how many suits in Zeta either don't have a modern kit or just got one. Like the high grade bound dock just came out. The You ordered uh, that, didn't you? No. Uh the Galbaldi beta came out two years ago. But before that, your only option was this ancient, ancient, like from the original 80s like model kit line version. Like so um yeah, you know, they made a, a ton of them, but there are several that still 
in the uh, because so many of them were enemy suits because they were the one and dones that you don't have modern kits or they're very very slowly coming out. Hmm. Yeah, it's a, it's a shame too because I like those kits so much more than I do. You know, funny enough, as much as I watch Gundam, I don't really like Gundam colors or even really Gundams. I, I always like the, the grunt suits and stuff like that. Yeah, I I wish I had a uh, more skill at like being creative <laughs> because then I would like I, I see all these these suits that people are doing on like uh, on Twitter and stuff like that and um like like these like color mashups and things that just look f so crazy. I'm like, man, I wish I could do like half of that. <laughs> I always like the, uh, it, it's not so much like the interesting colors that really do it for me. I really like, like heavily weathered stuff. Like stuff oh, yeah, that looks yeah. like fucked up in battle. Yeah. Like I've, I've seen some like Exia suits, for example, that like they're weathered and like they're, they've just like blown off the guy's arms and they've got like little wires coming out. And I'm like, man, I wish, I wish I was creative enough to do that. Like, <laughs> um, anyway, my, so my problem, sorry, sorry. My problem is I can imagine it, but it, it doesn't come through into the, into the thing. It's, it's one of those artistic sorts of things that I could like, like, I'm not very good at drawing whatsoever. I can't draw and, a stick, man. And I could, I can imagine in my head what it should look like and it. I can't, take that out and translate it onto paper or, or wherever it might be. I'm, I'm lacking some basic motor skill that allows that. Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm the least of all, I'm the least of all minuses, not the sums, but I'm the least of all minuses. <laughs> um, uh, so Jared and Ensign Mawa get to play with the uh, new play, and they get to spar with uh, Shirako and his Asimar, which is pretty cool to watch for a little bit. Um, and then, like, during this whole sparring battle, we get to hear Shirako kind of talk about the Titan's ultimate goal, or at least as he sees it. Um, and he believes that it is to, again, the Titan's ultimate goal is to economically destroy the Earth um, and he agrees with this. He's basically, yeah, let's fuck them up. Let's like ruin the earth. And then there will be a new leader of the earth sphere. And he wants that to be a woman. Uh, now he doesn't say exactly who it is, but I mean, we only have a handful of people that it could be at this point. Um, and, and they never explicitly say it, but I mean, do you, do you think it's, you know, either Haman or Maneva or something along those lines? Or do you think he has to make I don't think he knows. I think I, I'm not even sure how much he is saying. I think it will be versus I know it will be. Yeah. He says he thinks right. the new, the leader of the new earth sphere will be a woman. Like it, it's not mm -hmm. like a, he thinks it should be. It's very much. He's like, yeah, the, the leader of the new earth, earth sphere will yeah. be a woman. So my, my theory here is at the time of writing, this was just throw away character dialogue right because he is a uh, um he has some traits of like a pickup artist or something right like he thinks he is god's gift to women um i think in in a retrospect and sorry you might need to cut this in editing i'm getting feedback from somebody anyway um like I, i'm hearing myself in someone's headphones coming back through so um anyway um it might be yours, Lane. Mute. 
Yeah, I'm muted right now. Lane, you mute? You did? Okay, yeah, it went away. Yeah, I'm hearing your headphones come through onto your microphone. So, yeah. Anyway. Um, all right, I'll just let me uh, keep going here. Let me give you a sec, a beat so you can find this. I think in retrospect, knowing the things that come later, one could view this as foreshadowing and in a way you could, like, Shiraco has been presented as this extremely capable, powerful new type. And part of the new type abilities were always teased about is that, and, and this goes back to mobile suit Gundam is that they may have some kind of vague ability to perceive things beyond the moment in time that they are in. And so you could argue now that he's had some sort of vision of the future and, and foreseen uh, someone like a, a Mineva, or if you want to go um, further into, you know, uh, uh, I think, I don't remember who's in charge in victory, but there are a lot yeah, of the chick from victory. There. Yeah. You could maybe say something like that. Hell, you can go nuts. He means Queen Diana from turn A. I don't care. All right, fine. Um, that's a new world, all right. But uh, I think I think I would argue Maneva more than anything. But I also think that at the time this was written, it, it didn't mean much. It was just yeah. I mean, at this point, it seems like the only two options. Um, well, I mean, I guess there there would theoretically be three. So like you could say Maneva, Haman, or. Um, Oh God, Char's sister, whatever her name is. Artesia. Oh, yeah. There we go. Oh, yeah. You know, I didn't think about that because, huh? I wonder. I yeah. I wonder now if there were different plans for her at that point, because a, a lot of her stuff got screwed up. Either what was it? Because of either Char's counterattack happening, or uh, was it the uh, uh, voice actress having health problems? Right. Yeah, I think I think it was a combination of and I think it was around the end of Zeta. I mean, again, end of Zeta is only like a year out from this show being aired to maybe a year and a half at the most. So, uh, yeah, it's hard to tell. You'd have to imagine a lot of the planning. Like at this point, we're, we're roughly halfway through Zeta. I mean, a lot of the planning at this point has got to be on the next series and and. I mean, the timetables just for animating these, I don't imagine was incredibly short, even though they were a weekly broadcast. It's not like today where they can pump these things out really, really fast. Yeah, and I would have to imagine, especially since this wasn't based on an existing manga or anything at that point, that they had to have had um, at least like a general storyboard of the major arcs uh, through each portion of the series. All right. Well, we went way, way, way off topic. So let me hey, no, no, it was it was on topic because oh no, yeah, yeah I guess yeah, yeah. So Jared runs into the Argama, um, and uh, they they detect Jared. Well, they don't know it's Jared, but they detect a, a mobile suit. And Emma and Camille are preparing to launch to to meet up with Jared and hopefully kill him again. Um, again, I, I feel like Jared is like. A bad guy from Scooby Doo. <laughs> I just feel like he's constantly fighting. He's like, "I'll get you next time." Or no, Inspector Gadget. That's it. Yeah, he's, 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 he's the I'll get you next time, Camille. <laughs> um, so yeah, 
the we learn actually something that's pretty interesting. The the play has the cannon of a battleship. So the, the firepower of this new suit is um, pretty crazy compared to what they had had before. Um, and uh, we get some comments from, I think it's from Emma. She says that men only act clearly when they're fighting. Otherwise they're irrational women. I mean, they're irrational. <laughs> um, but Jared blows up Emma's suit, uh, but her escape pod's able to get out in this battle. Um, and then Jared actually in the middle, in, in the midst of this battle realizes that he is fighting Camille. Uh, and then behind Jared, uh, Ensign Mawa finally shows up. And um, <laughs> there's this weird scene where where uh, Camille's like trying to save Emma, and she's like, "No, don't worry about me. You need to you need to kill these assholes." And uh, Camille's like, "No, it takes money to train up a good pilot. I got to save you. Like otherwise, I'd let you get a fuck off. But you're too expensive." Um, so and so then he's like, all right, hey Nemo, come here. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you to a Nemo. So like, you'll probably survive. <laughs> Good luck. Exactly right. Um, so yeah, so Jared actually gets an advantage over Camille, and I feel like this happens a lot. Like Jared grabs Camille. He's about to like do something like, and he always grapples Camille, and then um, he gets attacked from behind, and. Uh, you know, Camille, you know, uh, launch, uh, escapes from his, his suit and he's floating out in space and he's like, am I as immature as everybody thinks I am? And he's like having this retrospective, um, like as he's floating around in space thinking he's going to die in the vacuum of space. Uh, and he actually even says like, I wonder if I'm going to, to join my parents. Uh, and then he hears... Uh, Fa's voice in his head. Um, and then Fa picks him up and uh, we see Appley. We get to see the Zeta Gundam being piloted by Appley for the first time in this show. So we are 21 episodes in and we get the uh, namesake mobile suit showing up. I remember watching this originally and thinking, like, where is the Gundam, man? Like, where is it? What's happening? Uh, it's, the, it's the Mark II. Well, so, okay, okay. We all know that the Gundam that you start with is not the Gundam you end with. Yes. Yep. And, to, yeah, to that point, this is the start of the tradition of the mid-season upgrade. Well, I mean, even Which I think, I mean, even the RX-78-2 had, had an upgrade. It wasn't a good one. It wasn't a cool upgrade. It wasn't a new kit upgrade, but it was, uh, it was an upgrade. At least, yeah, yeah, but I feel like... Go ahead. At least in the books, you know, that one gets blown up and he gets the cool silver one. In the show, they're just like, yeah, we put some magnetic coating on it. I just feel like they... In other shows, it's like you, you start off with the new Gundam or whatever, um, but you slowly upgrade it, like, you know, get new weapons and stuff like that. And this one is just like halfway through. It's like, all right, you know, you know, the title of the show is Zeta, right? All right. I got something for you. Wait, I got wait. something for you. Zeta Gundam. 
It's almost like in double Zeta. There's a oh, they'll have two. Who would have known? <laughs> uh, is how long is the Mark II around in double Zeta? I can't remember. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Oh yeah, it doesn't. It's around basically the whole show. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think I want to say like it's either Beecha or Rue doesn't like ditch the corpse of that thing until like after Glemmy's dead or something like way late. And you get this one sad shot of like what's left of it, like floating through a colony. And you're like, Oh, that guy's been around a while now. <laughs> yeah. In real time, it's only been like two years, but still that's forever in Gundam time. I mean, yeah, actually for a mobile suit, there's so many prototypes and like the thing's already basically outclassed when it gets rolled out. So, yep. Yeah, I mean, we, we've talked about that a handful of times um, that, like, they're just getting beat left and right uh, on a technological level by the Titans because... Episode one, this thing sucks. <laughs> yep, yep. Um, so, yeah, uh, where was I? Yeah, so Camille gets picked up by Fa. Uh, Apolly shows up, Apolly shows up in the Zeta, uh, and Camille says... Uh, that a pilot has to follow orders. He tells, um, he tells Fa this, and Fa's like, "Did Camille just say something that wasn't immature and douchey and dumb? Huh?" And then they go and rescue the Mark II. Yep. I thought this would be a great place to talk about the. Well, I guess we're. Are we like kind of at the end of this episode? Yeah. I've got like like two minor notes. If if you want to wait till the end of the episode, or if you want to yeah, talk yeah, about yeah. it now, okay. No, go. We can wait. All right. So, um, Sirocco tells Mawa that Jared is a boy and she should hook up with him because he is a man. So Sirocco's like, "Hey, if you want a boy, go bang Jared. If you want a man, let's go." Um. So yeah, more along the lines of Sirocco being a playboy and creepy motherfucker. Guy with a hairband. Exactly. Um, and then Camille is finally like heading back towards Fa emotionally. Um, you see there's a lot of like sexual tension or whatnot. Uh, Bright shows up and ruins the mood for both of them. Um, His and look when he opens that door. And I was just <laughs> like, nope. Hey, guys. What's going on here? He's like, oh, this isn't the uh, this isn't the rendezvous I expected right here. <laughs> Wrong door. And then Camille like like finishes it off by saying like, you could never be a pilot. You're not good enough. You're a woman. Um, <laughs> that's, his, that's his like seduction talk. He's like, I know you're trying to be a pilot, but you can't do it. <laughs> and and Emma's creeping in on this whole scenario too. It's 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 like Fa and Camille are just destined to um, to never breed. And Camille is destined to um, channel Tamino's misogyny for eternity. And now uh, I give it to Scotty. Then they run on the beach. Anyway, um, so I thought this would be a good time to talk about the actual Zeta Gundam because they sort of just drop it on you, right? Here it is. It's it's the newest one, and it transforms. So it has this wave rider mode, which is its sort of like you know generic video game starship fighter 
kind of mode. It's like a the, big core fighter. Right. The technical reason is that, and, and we saw this a little bit with the Mark II when it was uh, going down for re-entry, and then it was able to use that when it actually got down into Chaburo. Um, but this is uh, that mode is so that it can enter the atmosphere on its own. Um, so, yeah. Hey, Gundam Wing. What's up? Yeah. Um, the other thing that you see on there is that it's got the uh, uh, similar wing binders that you see on the Hyakushiki and a tail binder that would give it some extra thrust in Wave Rider mode. But I think what's more interesting is that's actually used as another balancing limb in the mobile suit mode. So we talked way, way back about like how the mobile suit technology works, right? You're out in space. And so you've really got to combat the forces of inertia. And that's why the limbs are there so that you can use those counteracting forces. And that extra tail binder is to give it another way to do that. Theoretically, then increasing things like the maneuverability and, and um, balancing. So uh, the other things in there, uh, you've got biosensor, something really never explained well in any show, or I wasn't paying attention and this time. I'll, I'll get to find out I was wrong to say that, but I don't remember it ever being addressed in any real way. Yeah. I, I feel like they name drop it once or twice in double Zeta when judo's using it. But anyway, it, this does have the biosensor, which is, it's, it's one of the many attempts at a Saikamu. And this is actually something that I think it made me appreciate narrative more in hindsight, because they're going through and talking so much about all of these, like they've got psycho frame at that point. Right. And then they frame some of the effort in pursuing that technology with Zeta and with Luo and company in Hong Kong and all of that stuff. And here you see one of these attempts at such technology uh, in a suit connected with those things. Uh, and this is called the biosensor. So I thought that that was a, actually a really like, kind of neat thing that narrative did. I didn't really hadn't picked up on before. Uh, so anyway, yeah, just part of the, you know, tree of technology that eventually gets you to Saikamu. Uh, it, it's an attempt at a compact one. It allows a new type to temporarily interface better uh, with the suit and enhance its performance in periods of very high emotion. The last note I have on the Zeta Gundam is the, the only thing I could really readily tell you about it other than it transformed for a long time. The only feature I always, I don't know why this stood out from the very first time they mentioned it panoramic monitor. Cause that's going to be standard. Eventually, you just got the whole sphere around you, you can see. Uh, but Zeta is the first one with that big old panoramic monitor. I thought it was an open sphere area, t too. Is, is it the monitor different from, like, the sphere that's all around? Maybe it's maybe it's not. Maybe it's not just not as... I, I, maybe the animation isn't as keyed up as, like, the newer stuff where you can see them kind of gimbling around and whatnot. Yeah, because I remember, I think we were talking about, like, the um, the Hyakushiki was the first suit that had, like, the 360-degree um, pilot area. I, guess. I don't know, like, I don't know the, the term for it, but... Cock uh, cockpit? Cock yeah, cockpit, and then, like, they do have monitors in front of them, so that, I mean, I'm wondering if, like, the, the, the panoramic monitors 
um, to like operate the, the Gundam and like maybe use like the cameras and stuff like that are like slightly different from the 360 cockpit. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was a it was like the sphere. I'm looking at I'm looking right now, and it looks like I'm seeing some like sketches of it. And there's like maybe some kind of model kit or something like that where they had the the Zeta cockpit, and it was like it looked like it was a cube, uh, not a cube, definitely not a cube. It looked like it was a sphere. Yeah. Okay. Well. Yeah. Anyhow, I just I just always remembered that about it for whatever reason. They upgraded him to 4K. We'll go with that. <laughs> there we go. All right, episode 22, The Eyes of Sirocco. We, we've got like two decent names of, a, of shows in a row at this point. Next, next episode Don't is, worry. is Moon yeah, Attack. They're going to ruin it. Yeah, they're going to ruin it. <laughs> next episode is Moon Attack, so like we're going back to the shitty titles. But The Eyes, Ooh, the eyes of Sirocco. Ooh, I'm, I'm so curious. This seems like it's a, uh, you know, exposition on what's going to happen in the episode. Oh, Moon Attack, shit. Hey, hey, Luke. You know, Scott, Scotty's a boy and I'm a man. If you, uh, never mind. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, speaking of creepy Sirocco, Sirocco, uh, is, uh, oddly enough taking Jared under his wing and he, or at least pretending to take him under his wing, uh, right now. And he tells him, he's like, Jared, you made me more talented than I am. Um, and we know this is a lie. We, we know that. Jared's not talented at all, or just barely talented enough. But um, Soraka's telling Jared this, so um, he's he's buttering him up for something. Uh, and then we go back and we see Camille and Fa are fighting again, uh, and we learn that there are new suits on their way from Ayuk uh, to the Argama. Uh, and those two suits, well, one of them's a suit and one of them's a plane i guess or spaceship so um the reco has been given the methus uh and captain henken gives uh reco a present he says give this to emma um as you do uh and the other suit or sorry not suit the other ship is the g defensor so we we get those two interesting things um, and I'm going to have something to say about the Methus in a little bit um, as soon as Fog gets in it, but we'll, we'll get there. Um, so Camille and Fog uh, get yelled at for fighting too much. Basically, they're annoying everybody on the ship and everybody's like, all right, we get it. Like, you guys need to bang it out. If you're not going to bang it out, shut the fuck up. Um, so uh, he grabs Fa, embraces her. And starts thinking about four. So that's how you get through a bad fight, apparently. You, you think about your ex. Um, yep. You hug your potential new girlfriend whilst thinking about your ex. Thinking about your dead ex, as far as you know. It's healthy. <laughs> um, yeah, so, yeah, and, and she knows. She knows at this point. She's like, your heart is somewhere else. Uh, and Bright's like, Bright goes up to Emma and basically says, hey, can you can you talk to Camille and like unfuck him? Um, and he does this while eating a burger. So this is the bright burger, another bright burger moment. I've got infamous bright burger. Yeah. I've got the shirt. Thanks Luke. <laughs> oh, you're welcome. <laughs> um, so 
Jared is chewing out two new pilots. Uh, so Jared basically is, takes over command of a new unit, uh, and he gets two new type pilots. Um, and I don't uh, uh, CPO Sarah and who is the other one? Sidele is how they pronounce it. I do not know how it is spelled. I didn't look because, well, <laughs> yeah, we'll get there by the end of this episode. Um, yeah, so there's a handful of D's in there. It's it's pretty much <laughs> yeah. What you'd so, expect. so these are two new type pilots, and they basically say they don't want to kill anybody, um, even though they're mobile suit pilots. And yeah, I mean, this is one of the few times I agree with Jared. It's like, how how the fuck are you a uh, mobile suit pilot and uh, get all this training? And you're like, ah, man, I don't I don't think I want to shoot any other mobile suits down. Like that's not cool. Like, you just yell like non-lethal damage right before they right before they shoot. They're just gonna shoot at you. We're not actually gonna hit you. <laughs> um. Yep. Yeah, so Jared basically uh, mansplains everything to these guys, uh, or sorry, these these ladies. Um, and uh, we learned that uh, Sarah has actually heard of Lala. Um. And so they're flying around in space, and they encounter Rekua and um, whoever the pilot of the G-Defensor is. Because we gotta have a battle every episode. Yeah, so initially they're like, man, are these guys Ayug? Ah, I don't know if they're Ayug or not. So they're like, well, we'll follow these guys anyway. We're gonna follow them because we've gotta have a battle, and they're probably going to the Argama, because that's what happens in space, right? Like, everybody... That you find is running into the argument Ayuk. Um so Camille actually jumps into the Zeta for the first time this episode, uh, gets to play with it. Um and Fa takes a Rick Diaz, even though she is assigned to a Nemo. And she's only had simulator training. So she is not a real pilot, but she is uh taking mobile suits. Um Yeah. I don't, I don't like Fa, but let's, we'll keep going. We'll keep going. Um, so, uh, Jared gets in, gets into this battle and Sirocco is basically like, I'm not going to send Jared any assistance because he started this fight and he's going to end it or he can go fuck himself. Um, and it is what it is. Um, so they get in this cool space battle, uh, Fa is not listening to, uh, Apoly, and once again, Jared grabs Camille from behind, uh, but he gets sh- shaken off, and, uh, Camille transforms into the Zeta Gundam, because I think at this, uh, initially in the battle he was in the, um, the fighter pilot mode, uh, and then Fa runs out of ammo, uh, because she sucks, and, um, Listen, there's a big difference between simulator and real combat. <laughs> you run out of ammo in the, in the real combat. Um, yeah, so Camille actually uh, takes out Sidile at this point. So Sidile, go bye-bye. Yeah. And <laughs> there's just, I mean, she is here and then gone. Red, yeah. sh- red shirt all the way. You know, I was, it was funny. I was like rereading my notes, trying to like catch up on the episode. And I was like, man, I know this chick dies, but like, where, where does she die? Like, it's, it's literally like a sentence in the middle of a paragraph for me. Like she dies next. Like, <laughs> um, 
Yeah. So Sarah as well is getting overwhelmed. Um, and Jared tells her not to retreat. Uh, and she's like, nah, fuck this. And they both retreat together. So, uh, it's like a very quick sequence where like, Jared's like, don't retreat. And then they're both retreating. <laughs> no, you stay here <laughs> while I escape. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't put that past Jared. That doesn't seem to be what he wanted, but that's effectively. I need to sacrifice you so I can become better. <laughs> I think, I think it's more of, no, we can still fat them. And then she's like, nah, out. And he goes, I can't fight all these guys. Damn it. And then leaves. Yep. So um, the Methus and the G Defensor make it back to the Argama, uh, and they're only lightly damaged, but they are damaged. Uh, and Emma slaps Fa for launching without permission. Um, I don't think I mentioned that, but yeah, Fa did not have permission to launch yep. in her DS. Something to note about the Methus this is a. They basically sent along one of the rando prototypes that Anaheim had built while they were developing the Zeta. That's basically what the Methus is, right? Just transformable thing, one-off, testing some systems. But it was operational enough. Eh, you guys can have this one too. Uh, pretty limited weaponry. But something very important to note. The most important technical note about the Methus, since you just mentioned it being damaged, is that it is very easy to repair. I didn't know that. Just keep this in mind as we go through the next 75 episodes of content or so. <laughs> um, yep. So Font tries to defend herself from Emma uh, and she gets slapped again. So Font is basically a, a, a slap receiving machine at this point. Oh, you skipped the, some of the creepy Shirako stuff here, man. I, I did. He tells Jared, hey, this was a successful mission if you look at it as a data gathering experiment. <laughs> That's right, yeah. Oh, okay. You Somebody died. Half of your crew. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he's, uh, yeah, he, he's being real creepy with Sarah. And Sarah's, how old is Sarah supposed to be? 15? Something is like she, that. I don't remember them actually saying her age. They do at some point. Sounds about right. Yeah. Um, Sarah Z- Zabiarov. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Yep, 15. Yeah. 15. Yeah. And uh, Mawa is side eyeing that. Like, this is this is actually something that to me it's a it's maybe one of the only like moments that makes this episode worthwhile is some of this characterization. Um, because to me, this really kind of puts Mawa, I think, more in Jared's camp. Is she's like, wow, that guy is fucking creepy. Yeah, Sirocco's not the best. Episode 23. Moon attack. <laughs> I wonder what's going to happen. I did have one note about the G-Defensor, and I do want to um, keep us hurried along here, so I'll make it quick. I looked up when episode 22 aired. It was August 3rd of 1985. If we know our Japanese school calendars, we know this is summer break or about to be. And so the G-Defensor follows a, a merchandising pattern that nowadays is more uh, associated with Golden Week. And what you do there with your robot show is you have your main robot and then they get their upgrade toy during Golden Week. That's the special thing. It's the holiday, right? And so uh, sitting around. Yeah. So, so, so for those of you that don't know, Golden Week is both the the best week and the worst week to be in Japan. 
um like there's there's it's a giant holiday so it's essentially like there's three or four holidays during the week um so basically everybody in japan gets the week off and they get to go do a whole bunch of stuff but everything's also closed that week because it's a giant holiday in japan um so there's tons and tons of like tourism there's tons and tons of stuff but everything's also closed at the same time and it just sucks to go anywhere because like there's too many people and everything's closed um yeah that's golden week and don't travel anywhere in asia during golden week period don't do it look it up it's it's in like march or april i forget the exact date yeah i think it's like later april typically but yeah the point is it was a little too early in the show at golden week so here we have it targeted more for the school kids summer break to have hey you got your mark ii model kit sitting around now you can upgrade it with the g defensor so that is why it just randomly shows up here so hey kids you'll see that model kit and you'll see on the box, you can combine it with your Mark II you already built. We're going to hook it up. Uh, you know, we just had it in the back. We definitely didn't say anything until now. But we had it. That's why we suddenly have it. We gave you one line of dialogue during the Earth Drop operation to barely hint it was there. Yeah, so, I mean, the funny thing is, is like episode 23 is based off of like 10 seconds of of talking in episode 21 so this is like we've talked about it before like zeta likes to drop seeds and then like several episodes later pick them up and move forward with them and that is exactly what episode 23 is about moon attack so um we get to see cots again this is the first time we've seen cots in a few episodes cots sucks um he wants to go back to the argama uh and he begs Shar. Shar, take me to the Argama. I want to be a pilot. Um <laughs> That's exactly what it, how it sounds in the dub. That was great. Um but uh, Wa, uh Wong, our our favorite rich um uh, Ayug financer wants Hinken and Shar to be Blex's uh bodyguards. It's mostly Shard, but Hinken's, you know, following along, so he, he's guilt by association. Um, and it, it, it sounds like he finally gets Wong to back off a little bit. Um, but Blex wants, and the whole reason Blex is doing this is Blex wants to Shard to see Jamatov in person. Um, so there's, like, some meetings that are going to happen, and basically he's like, hey... Sure, you should meet up with Jamatov. Yeah, yeah, the the whole Ayug wants. I mean, they've got to know. I mean, they well, we find out they know who he is, and they really want him to. I mean, then and this is a big part of Shar's storyline, uh, but they are really grooming him and want him to take up more of a leadership role, and he doesn't want it at this point. He doesn't. He wants to fly around in mobile suits and in combat and and help the cause, but right now he doesn't he doesn't want to be a great leader. Yeah, and then and yeah, yeah, he. But they yeah they're trying to basically make him go face to face with Jamatov, and maybe that'll make him like be like, oh well, fuck this, I'm gonna like you know become the leader that you all want me to be. 
they just want they want like that char asnable the fueled the the vindictive determined one year war zeon version right yeah but man he doesn't he doesn't um he doesn't fight in red mobile suits anymore i know yeah he was a different person then he's gone gold yeah exactly unlike cyberpunk 2077 which is uh delayed no 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 no, no. to be fair it's gone gold just also delayed <laughs> um all right so uh emma chastises camille for uh cleaning his room and like taking all of his shit and throwing it in the hallway and uh fa is very clearly uh jealous of this interaction because she wishes that she could chastise camille for being inconsiderate and cleaning his, his room and he's basically like I need to clean my room because what happens if I die in space? Like I would hate to inconvenience somebody from them having to clean up my dirty bed. This definitely wasn't to get Emma in contact with my mattress. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. And so this is actually the point uh, where they have the long conversation about Von Braun being around, being built around Neil Armstrong's footprint. Oh, uh, that's why I forgot, because my only note around here is how Camille gives Torres some porn from Hong Kong. Yeah, it's there's like a long, like, not not long, but it's like another one of those. I'm going to drop a seed of, hey, Camille, you were back on Earth. Like, if you got anything, give it to me. And then like, like two episodes later, Camille delivers the porn. <laughs> Here's your hentai. Yep. So, um, the Argama is receiving res supplies from the Radish. Um, this goes very Dragon Ball Z for a, a little bit. Um, Sirocco is, uh, making fun of Jared again. They're, he's back to not building him up. Um, and then, uh, there's, there's like a, a weird situation where Camille is basically like, man, there's so many women on the battlefield. What's going on here? So this is, again, um, Tomino thinking through Camille at this point. Um, yep. And uh, the meat of the episode, Operation Apollo begins. So, as we saw, like, earlier, episode 21, Operation Apollo is the uh, operation from the Titans to take over Von Braun. Because they need to, for some reason. Um, so the the battle begins. Um, essentially, Bright is trying to force the Titans into a mobile suit fight instead of using long range cannons because um, the Argama and I don't even I don't know if the Radish is still around at this point. Um, but the Argama is not going to be forced into like a long range laser battle because it's one suit versus many, and that's not a winning tactic for for Bright. Um, uh, Kotz wants to fight and, um, <laughs> Camille basically tells him, Hey, don't fuck things up like you did in San Francisco, Kotz. And Kotz is like, he cries. Um, yeah. So this is part of, I, I think the real part of this is that Kotz wants to fight and eventually like he's sneaking off to the mobile suit deck to like try to get in one anyway. Basically they, they have not enough mobile suits for all the people that want to go try to die in a mobile suit. That's yeah. their problem. Yep. And 
uh, Rekoa kind of keeps getting the short end of the stick here. So while they're dealing with cots, Fa goes and runs like, ha, Met, this is mine. I claim it and gets in, pilots it, and Rekoa ain't got shit. Uh, this will be important later. So um, Charge Unit is finding, fighting at this point. Um, Camille and his group are approaching the, the battlefield. Uh, and then the Titan ships uh, begin firing on Von Braun, even though um, their own suits have been launched. So there's like a lot of like chaos in the battle. Um, and they're basically just like trying to blow up the city. Um, yep. So, at, yeah, we mentioned that uh, Fa launches in the Methus, um, even though. She, is it Meth? Not Methus. I'm sorry. Yeah. It yeah, it's the okay. yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, she launches in the Methus, even though, like, again, uh, her experience is simulator training and, like, uh, one time in Arictius, and she's supposed to be piloting a Nemo. Uh, Foss sucks. Like, she, I don't know how she keeps getting into these nice suits. Um, they need to have, like, a key or something. Like, you shouldn't just be able to, like, push to start a mobile suit. <laughs> like, you can't even push to start most cars now. Now, but she's pushed to start fucking mobile suit. Um, yeah, it's all about speed. Okay. <laughs> so Camille saves Fa, and uh, she complains about it. And um, so Sirocco launches um, what what he calls the Dogo Skier mo mobile suits. So they don't really explain what Dogo Skier mobile suits are. Well, it, the Dogo's gear is Shiraco's ship. Okay. So that's they, the battleship. Yeah, so the Dogo's gear okay, the Dogo's gear is his ship. Um and he's got a bunch of Asimars and Masalas and a whole bunch of other suits like that in there. But like I don't know, the way they made it sound is like the Dogo's gear cuz they never really said his ship name that much up until this point. They do a few times because um Jamaican puts it in um he puts it in. This is where you really get uh, uh, get that part of the story. Is you have to, and again, if you don't catch this, it's very easy to miss. Jamaican puts the Dogos gear in command of the battle as the head of this the fleet for this battle, and that is Shiraco's ship. And what you see is a couple of things, but uh, and Jared is about to sort of think through this on his own for the viewer to really lay it out for you. Uh, but they, uh, you've got the Dogo skier approaching Von Braun and that's when it decides to launch its mobile suits. And this is when Jared reflects on, Oh, he's going to go and try with his big, cause the, the Dogo skier is a big ship. It's uh, basically, it's a, like a evolved version of the Birmingham, which Gato blows up in, in 0083. And then later on, the General Rebel is the same class of ship. It's big. And so he's basically going with his Star Destroyer down to the Moon City to, to take all the credit. And this is because we learn in just a quick scene before, Jamaican on the Alexandria, which has been sort of the Titan's main flagship, if you will, uh, in previous episodes, uh, Appley and his unit have gone to their, their thinking because they're used to the Alexandria being important. And, you know, Apple, he's like, let's go, let's get that one. That's where we need to go attack. So they're probably, it's assumed, at least to me, it's implied they're dealing with that. And so then, 
you know, those guys are, are, are you know, Shiraco's taking his stuff and, and trying to go and take the city. That's why they would launch their mobile suits so they don't have to just bomb it, right? They can be more tactical about it. And then that's when you see, um, uh, you know, Jared, you know, he's he's noticed that, uh, you know, so that the, uh, um, yeah, the Titans are dealing with the AU while Shiraco goes down. And then you see the Hyakushiki and Zeta going after Jared's team. Yeah, it, it seemed like, you know, there were that, Ayug was trying to do like two things. The first thing was uh, try to stop the Alexandria and and those units from just like bombarding and blowing up the city. And then secondarily, their mission was to um, take out Jared and his unit, which they thought was like the primary attack force. Um, but Jared was acting as a decoy, and Mara was not happy that jared was being used as a decoy in this case and i think initially jared didn't even know that he was being used as a decoy um but as we'll talk about later he's fine with it he, he knows where his place yeah. is and I, this is one of the only shirako lines i ever actually like but mao is like i'm gonna go deploy to help him and he's like whatever we're winning anyway yeah shirako is very much like uh this is this is my battle and I've got it and I don't care. We're we're where we want to be. Um so yeah, Camille starts feeling sick, Jared starts feeling sick, sick, and Char starts feeling sick, and this is all a result of them um sensing Sirocco on the battlefield at this point. Um it's very much like a um Sirocco just makes everybody sick except for the women that he's hitting on. Um Ma Well no. No, even them. <laughs> yeah, just to a different degree, right? <laughs> um, so Mawa gets into Jared's way and and saves him from dying. Um, she blows off Shar's Hyakushiki's arm, and um, she's like, "Jared, you're just uh, being a decoy." And he's like, eh, "I don't care." Um, and then Shar uh, is getting dragged along this entire time. Uh, in this battle he's like literally being drugged um and then at this point camille wakes up from being sick from sirocco um and you know engages with uh jared and uh jared is pissed that he can't kill camille once more so it's another one of those i'll get you next time gadget type things yeah. um well, and and you also have the AU is beginning to like they they determine they need to withdraw because they've been waiting for reinforcements from Granada that have not shown up. Yeah, uh, this is a a big loss for AU. They the Titans successfully take von Braun, and Bright orders everybody to get the hell out of there and get back to the Argama. Um, and, and as kind of like a finisher to this episode, Jared is carried off in a stretcher. He very explicitly says, like, I'm I'm fine not being a decoy. I know my place. And um, Jamaican actually slaps Sirocco for uh, being a little bit too aggressive in his attack on Von Braun. Um, and then uh, Sirocco's like, well, all right, fuck it. Von Braun's yours, motherfucker. I took it. You can maintain it. I don't want to be a manager. <laughs> um, so Camille tries to comfort Fa, and uh, and she's basically. I, I have a little note. Like Fa is basically 
uh, turned into Camille version 2.0 at this point, like is, is like whining and annoying as like a pilot. Um, and yeah, this is, yeah, she's annoying. Um, and we hear whoever controls Von Braun city controls outer space. And that's where the episode ends. So Ayuk has uh, lost a, a pretty significant tactical battle. Um, Von Braun is now controlled by the Titans. Um, and, you know, Camille and them have the Zeta and some new suits now, but they're definitely on the defense. Yep. Yeah, I thought this was despite the uh, despite the name. I actually I actually enjoyed this. I thought actually a lot kind of drove the story along in this. And I like Shiraku, despite his creepiness. Yeah, th I mean, this was to me like a, a an interesting you know plot device. Like we we talk a lot about like the battles that aren't necessary, and I feel like the battle in episode twenty two wasn't necessary. But um, you know this this battle for operation apollo was very much like a a good this, plot is, a, this is a very strategic like battle it, had, it was a big like power shift and, and all of that i thought it was important yeah yeah no this episode is is important um the couple before it i mean get the zeta introduced you, you're planting the seeds for operation apollo essentially right yeah so this is the more long form episodic week to week sort of story cycle uh re-watching on a binge watch yeah there's times in like episode 22 where you're like, oh, just just get on with it man come on but yeah, one thing i actually noted i like a lot in zeta is is something that's very similar to like the original series too um that a lot of shows don't do anymore is just like like expositions of like showing things and just playing like dramatic music like um it, it reminds me a lot of like uh like kurosawa films um if you've seen like the last samurai or um in any of his like iconic films where like they'll just show somebody walking or they'll show like a picture of a base and you'll get these like doom do doom doom like very like dramatic sounding drums and uh like classic like samurai type music I, I i like seeing that type of stuff like let the pictures explain what's going on yeah well said all right you guys got anything else for this episode Nada. all right well thanks for listening uh we hope you didn't vote for kanye west um <laughs> Uh, check us out on Twitter at New Type Flash Pod uh, or our subreddit on Mobile Suit Gundam or subreddit post on Mobile Suit Gundam. I, I, was, I was like, that's not ours. That's not ours. No. No. no it's not <laughs> ours. Check, us, check our post on the Mobile Suit Gundam subreddit uh, or on Twitter at New Type Flash Pod. Uh, as always, thanks for listening, and we will see you in two weeks.